Welcome to the latest episode of Plugged In, a post-media podcast taking you down Canada's electric vehicle highway. I'm your host, Andrew McCready. Today's guests I first met in the spring of this year on a story assignment for the Vancouver Sun and post-media driving. A friend had passed on a tip about a guy who was awaiting delivery of a brand new electric vehicle that he planned to drive from Vancouver to Atlantic Canada, then back home through the United States. His name was Harvey Socher, and for listeners who read the story in printer online at driving.ca, they know that, like the best tales, there was much more to the story than just that. It was, in fact, a love story, though one with a bittersweet ending. I know you'll enjoy my interview with Harvey. But before that, a couple of newsworthy items from Canada's electric vehicle community. I hope some of you have taken my advice from a previous episode and subscribed to the Electric Autonomy Canada newsletter, as it is required reading for those of us interested in EVs. If you haven't yet, you missed out on a great story about how community groups, local businesses, and governments in Quebec and Western Canada have joined forces to begin the establishment of fast-charging stations in rural areas. In La Belle Provence, Hydro-Quebec has led the, pardon the pun, charge by investing money and time into installing public chargers outside of urban areas. In other words, in communities one wouldn't associate with high EV adoption rates. But the numbers are beginning to show that such an assumption, that only big city dwellers want EVs, isn't true, as Quebec now boasts a more even distribution of EV ownership between urban and rural areas than any region in North America. If you install them, they will come. There's a similar story playing out on both sides of the Rockies also. In southern Alberta, the Peaks to Prairies charging network recently saw the completion of 19 high-speed charging stations, primarily along major highway arteries, including the Trans-Canada, Highway 2, and Highway 3. The Peaks to Prairies network is owned and operated by Calgary utility company ATCO, features flow chargers, and was launched with seed funding from five municipalities, along with grants from Alberta and the Federation of Canadian Municipalities. In BC, there's a similar project called Accelerate Kootenays, like Alberta's funded by the Federation of Canadian Municipalities, along with support from the Columbia Basin Trust, the province, Tech Resources, Fortis BC, and BC Hydro. Three years into that program, there are now 13 high-speed chargers and 40 level 2 chargers located in 40 communities and connecting nearly 2,000 kilometers of roadway. Often us city folk look upon these highway charging stations as built solely for us so that extended road trips are possible in our EVs. But clearly, the Peaks to Prairies and Accelerate Kootenays networks will have a big impact on EV adoption in the rural areas they service. Still in BC, as I reported in a previous episode, EV sales in the province this year account for nearly 10% of overall passenger vehicle sales. Put another way, 1 out of 10 new vehicles sold is an EV. Further to that number, and according to the BC Rebate Incentive Program, 47% of new EV purchases that qualified for the rebate were Teslas. 10% were Toyota Priuses, 9% were Mitsubishi Outlanders, 8% Nissan Leafs, 7% Chevrolet Bolts, 6% Hyundai Konas, 4% for both Kia Souls and Chevrolet Volts, 3% for Hyundai Ionics, and 2% for Kia Niros. Read into those numbers what you may, but it's clear that Teslas are still the preferred EV of choice in this province, and I dare say the entire country. Which again begs the question, are we experiencing an EV revolution or a Tesla revolution? Okay, let's talk with Harvey about that cross-country trip. 
Hey, I'm here with a very special guest. Um, some of you who maybe read a story I wrote a couple months ago on uh, a Vancouver guy by the name of Harvey Socher. When I wrote the story, Harvey had just bought a new Audi e-tron and uh, very ambitiously, instead of just driving around the block or whatever, set out to go across country and back. And I'm really happy to have Harvey here to tell us about that experience. Harvey, welcome. Thank you very much. Good to be here. So before we get to that, as is custom on this podcast, I'd like to ask you, what's the first electric vehicle you ever drove? It was a Tesla Model S P100D. In the story that I wrote about Harvey in the interview we did, what changed his life or at least put him on the path to EVs was the movie, The Revenge of the Electric Car. He read that, fell in love, became a huge Elon Musk fan after that, put an order in for a Tesla Never really happened um, for a number of reasons, and he wound up with a vehicle that I know he's delighted with, the Audi e-tron. So let's get to the drive. If you wanted to sum it up in a sentence or even a word now that you're back, what would it be? Amazing. <laughs> okay. How many kilometers did you travel on this trip? 22,000 approximately. Tell us about it. I mean, you, you dipped your wheels in Victoria. Right. Then you took the northern route, which That's is right. very ambitious. What was that like? That's not a, a route that really has the TransCanada charging network. Well, even the TransCanada doesn't even have a TransCanada network, uh, as as we would hope. But um, I I wanted because I was a uh, advocate, or like I really believe strongly in electric cars. One of the first things that people ask about is range, and the reason why they ask that is, of course, when they want to take it outside of their comfort zone of just around town. Uh, commuting or going, you know, going to short trips. Uh, everybody feels comfortable with that. But then they say, well, what happens if I want to go to a trip to Whistler? If let's say when I want to, I want to do a trip to, you know, if you're from BC, you want to go to Golden, you, you know, um, great skiing in that area. So I knew that um, if you take the trip across the country, well, that's a pretty lengthy trip yep. and then back again. So, but if I, I didn't want to take a shorter, easier route, I wanted to make it as difficult as possible to really prove that point. Right. Actually, Vancouver Island was no trouble at all. I mean, there was lots of uh, faster chargers, which is what you really need if you're going to go for a, a longer distance per day. Of course, for most people, they charge their car at home or at work where they have what they call a level two or slower charger, which could take my car anywhere from you know 10 to 14 hours to charge because it's a large battery. But um, when, you're, when you wanted to do, let's say, 500 or more kilometers in a day, you need to, you know, get a faster charge so that you're not inconvenienced on the, on the timeline that you want to achieve. Your Audi e-tron has a 95 kilowatt hour battery and the range is about 330 kilometers. Well, that's what it's rated at. Right. You know, 324. But uh, fortunately, I'm getting a lot more than that to the point where, you know, I'm like super happy and uh, like instead of 324, I'm getting over 400 in some, some cases. Wow. So you, did you take an active log of every day or, or how did you go about kind of chronicling the mileage? Well, I put together a charging log which would identify the date that was charge was made, where the charge was made, the name of the brand and company of the charger, you know, that I used, um, what the, um, you know, how much actual battery uh, charge I, I received. 
uh, how much the range that I got for it, how like how far I gave every parameter that you would need, including you know whether what the elevation changes were was was I in a headwind was was it, did I have a tailwind um, was it pouring rain I mean all these different parameters that would affect the range were included in the charging log yeah including the price what I paid as well so if somebody would ask you what the greatest challenge of the drive was apart from driving 500k or whatever a day over the course of two months or so what would what would you say well the first thing people ask me is like where did you plug in like, right you know and did you that, get that, to that the was actually down to 10k and thinking where am i what am i doing the, yeah there was there was an instance there i can there's a story about that but um the the number one thing was at least being able to make it from one point to to like point a to point b across the country yeah and before i started out on making sure that I, there would be the range in the car available so that i could make it from point a to point b and, and not get stuck right and um, the other thing, of course, was, um, you know, what type of chargers were in those points and um, the uh, areas where I wanted to uh, to go to were the most difficult, where there was very few, you know, faster chargers or level three chargers. And um, uh, there you really needed to plan and right. uh, plan activities around waiting for your ch- car to charge. And because I was not in a specific hurry to be anywhere, I could enjoy the experiences while waiting for to charge. So, you know, um, and the areas where it, it was challenging in that regard was um, from Prince Rupert all the way to Jasper. Yeah. And actually all the way to, to Calgary because um, in that stretch, there was only, there was one uh, level three charger in Prince George at a Volkswagen dealer that were very kind for me to use it. And they even gave me a free wash while I was waiting. <laughs> and... Um, the uh, the next one was an Audi dealer in uh, in Calgary, which I got a great reception and got some swag, and uh, <laughs> got, they got my car washed there as well. So and and that was actually uh, anyway I forget the name of the dealership, but it was it was in um, Barlow Trail, so it was Barlow Audi Barlow, or right. I think it was. Anyway, everybody was really uh, kind and receptive and welcoming, and that was also great a great part of the experience. Um, there were level three chargers, you know, other than the ones at Audi dealers or Volkswagen dealers, um, you know, in Calgary. And I did get a chance to use um, those as well. Right. And uh, in most cases, uh, all the level two and level three chargers that I did use uh, were free. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the total cost of um, most of the charging that I did pay for was mostly in Ontario and also in um, in the Maritimes. Right. Um, and of course, in um, across uh, the prairies, there was only a few, a handful of level three chargers. Um, you know, there was an instance where we would get up really early in the morning. We would have a full charge, and that's easy to get because you can plug in at most level two chargers at hotels. Uh, and I would do my best to find a hotel that had a level two charger, right. or at least a a place where I could walk to it. And I did that a n- number of times. Yeah. Um, but uh, over the lakehead was very difficult as far as, you know, finding level three chargers. And I remember going from um, the the town of uh, Kenora, where I stayed overnight, and uh, I was able to get a level three charge there uh, before I uh, left. And so in the morning, I had a full charge. And I, I purposely did a 70-kilometer detour to go to Fort Francis instead of going through Dryden when, and the difference of getting to Thunder Bay, which was my ultimate destination for that particular day, 
was uh, a level three charger was in Fort Francis. Right. And uh, it saved me probably four to five hours. Um, even though the distance was greater, I was able to get to um, uh, Thunder Bay um, four hours quicker or right. five hours quicker. And of course, there was a level three charger waiting for me right outside a keg restaurant where I knew I would charge up and have a great dinner. And I felt ambitious enough to to drive another 200 kilometers after dinner to uh, um, to a small town and uh, try, try to remember the name of the town. It was something with falls in it. Um, and, of course, the hotel that I chose had a level two charger. Yeah. So, so certainly a lot of planning and a lot of forethought has to go into a trip like this. You know, like n- normally at any town or, you know, rest stop or close, you know, there's always gas stations. And, of course, the infrastructure right now, we're in our infancy. So, yes, there has to be planning put in, but it's not a difficult plan. I mean, without the uh, with, with the app called Plug Share, that made my life super easy <clears throat> to find the, where the chargers were was just opening up my phone, seeing where the charger was. And on the app, you could get the specific address of those chargers. You knew what type of charger it was, whether it was a level two, a level three. And I found actually the hotels through the plug share because they would give you the address. And if it was near a hotel, you would just book that hotel. And that way you'd wake up in the morning with a full charge. Yeah. So I should tell our uh, listeners, so it was a cross-country trip. So Harvey went from Victoria to St. John's. But he didn't backtrack the same way. He went down through the states. So what about the charging infrastructure in, in the states? How was that? It was night and day. Um, the only place where I would say it was somewhat similar was through uh, the state of Maine because that's still not as populated. But once you get uh, further south um, and traveling you know, further west, it was more of a southwest trip once you got into uh, the state of Maine, uh, after the state of Maine. Then you had a multitude of level three chargers to choose from. Like at rest stops, on the highways, how, um, how was that? They were, they were in parking lots, a lot of like underground uh, or high rise type parking lots. They were, there was, you know, chargers at government buildings. There were some at hotels, but not as many I found as in Canada. And of course, um, once I got to Washington, D.C., I, I, I didn't even know that the head office of Electrify America um, was was just a little bit like half an hour west of Washington, D.C. in a town called Reston. And that's that's where I was invited to, um, to visit and uh, had a great meeting with uh, the staff um, of uh, Electrify America. And uh, they were very excited to meet with me. And uh, once uh, I had set up my account, I was able to charge very easily at all these different Electrify America stations. And what was unique about Electrify America uh, versus other level three charger, like EVgo was one that was quite popular in the United States. Uh, And also ChargePoint was very popular. They also have a lot of level three chargers. Um, Is that the this um, Electrify America is also in Canada, called Electrify Canada, is put together by Volkswagen AG, which is the parent company of uh, Audi, Volkswagen, uh, Porsche, Bugatti, a, a lot of different companies, Skoda in Europe. Lamborghini. Lamborghini. There's, you know, they're a larger, they're, they're, that group is um, either the largest or the second largest car company in the world. Right. 
and uh, they have the capital to invest in a network that is amazing. Right. So that's in its kind of infancy in Canada right now. It's, yes. It's there's going to be 32 uh, Electrify Canada stations, of which most of them are in BC, which I'm really happy about. And one of the reasons why I chose and why I felt comfortable choosing my Audi and Ontario, of course, because of the population and Quebec. And that's where they're going to be focusing, uh, placing those stations. But in, in, in the United States, being, you know, 10 times bigger population, they've committed to 500 locations, um, without, throughout, um, the United States, of which I think 350 are up and running right now. And that made my, uh, trip so much easier as far as, um, not just, finding stations, but the locations of those stations were very easy to find, again, through PlugShare, but also through their own app. And also the fact that they are three times faster than some of the best level three chargers. So um, I did a record day um, on uh, when I, after St. Louis, I went just outside of um, St. Louis to get a hotel and I um, got my char- car charged up prior to me going to sleep because there was no charger at the hotel that I chose. And uh, it was fully charged early in the morning. And I said to, I wanted to go to Denver and going through, Can- you know, going through Missouri and Kansas. Uh, it was, it's kind of like going through the prairies. Right. Um, and that so what, day. What, what's that distance, if you recall? That was uh, 810 miles from outside of St. Charles, which was just a suburb of St. Louis. And then uh, to Denver. Now I had um, um, I was invited to uh, one of my old buddies uh, that I used to actually work with. Uh, he lived in Dillon, Colorado, and for most people who don't know where Dillon is, it's near Keystone, if like near Breckenridge. Um, so he lived up in the mountains, and uh, so he invited me to stay there. And I said I'm going to do my best to make it there that night. And uh, so my goal that day was to travel as far as I could in one day. And I actually drove 810 miles at, from 8 in the morning uh, till just before midnight to uh, a charge station, which was not Electrify America, but all the charge stations um, going there, uh, I charged three times at Electrify America stations. And it was amazing because um, once I knew where the stations were, and I, there was more than, than the three that I needed, um, and they were spaced perfectly for my trip, and it, once... I knew where they were, and most of them, or pretty much all of them, were within um, two miles of the I-70, which is the one one road that goes right across from St. Louis to Denver, and um, and actually right through to Dillon as well. Um, I was able to do it uh, 810 miles from 8 a.m. to just before midnight. So what would the charge times be when you'd pull into one of these places? Um, I would say they were under 50 minutes. Wow. Less than than an hour. So actually coming off the highway, finding the station, plugging in, and then uh, finishing and going back to the highway was about an hour. Yeah. And and in some cases, actually the last case that I used Electrify America, um, I was at a I, – I, I was hungry. It was dinner time or just past dinner and I hadn't had anything to eat. And I found uh, this um, sandwich shop um, and, uh, you know, the, my I, I didn't finish my, my – the charging was finished before I could finish my sandwich. Yeah. And um, – in in a lot of cases, you know, your, your mindset is different than going to a gas station. So, you know, when your car when you're when you're on a long trip and you want to take a break and you, you need a, a you know for breakfast or lunch or dinner, you need some time to do that. 
Well, instead of taking the time to fill up for gas, you 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 find a place that's close to a charger. You charge. You you eat. You come back. Your car's finished. You're you're actually it's less time than going to add on the time it takes you to go to a gas station. Right. It's all about time management, isn't it? It's all about there is some time management. Yeah. And and at first, you know, you have to kind of learn about that. You right. know, it, it's a it's a learning curve. It's just like getting a new anything new, you have to kind of figure out how to use it like a new smartphone. Right? So you're an expert now after I'm two better months. at it. Yes, <laughs> I'm better at it. Today's EV podcast is sponsored by Motorino Electric Scooters, Electric Motorcycles, and Electric Bicycles. Drop by the Vancouver store on West 2nd and test drive the Super Soco TC EV motorcycle, a bike that is the most popular electric motorcycle in Europe. What is distinctive about the Super Soco TC model is it incorporates a blend between the beautiful classic design and the latest technology innovations relating to the battery, motor, and controller. Combined with a well-engineered body, the TC is the perfect piece of urban transportation that brings a smile on your face the moment you twist the throttle. You can see it in the Motorino showroom or check it out at motorino.ca. Tell me the story of the the one you alluded to er- earlier, the range anxiety story. Or the I one only had you... one issue. Yeah. Okay. So what, what, what's that one? Okay. Well, um, and, and it was ironic that it was the, uh, the town that I was uh, going to was the town before St. John's, Newfoundland. And I was in Gander um, and I knew that I needed uh, just a little top up of my battery to get to um, this town called, um, oh man, um, Clarenville, I think it's called. Yeah. And it's about, um, it, it was 170 kilometers away from St. John's. And it was a good place for me to to, uh, to 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 rest for the night. And I just needed an extra um, an hour charge. So I had some errands to do that I needed to do in Gander. And uh, once I got my cushion of about 20, 25 kilometers that, that would allow me to go to, to Clarenville, um, I was on my way. And um, I actually took some great photos along the way. There was this great rest stop um, called Joey's, um, um, you know, Joey Smallwood. There was a lookout, Joey's lookout. And I got a great photo of Joey looking at my car with just the parking lights. And it was just a great photo. But uh, and usually my my best photos are usually, you know, early in the morning or later in the afternoon because the colors just pop. And uh, they look really good. But anyway, guys, a sidetrack. But anyway, I'm on my way to Clarenville and I'm, I'm coming up to, like, I'm looking at Clarenville. There's two level two chargers. I did find a hotel that was in Clarenville, but it didn't have a charger there. But I, I, all I needed to do was, you know, just to uh, uh, get a, a quick charge and, and get to the hotel and then come back and just get a taxi back and forth so it wouldn't be a big deal. Um, but uh, the first charger I went to, didn't exist. It said it was supposed to be there, but it just didn't exist. And then, um, so now I, I, the second option was at a Chevy dealer, uh, Hickman Motors in, uh, in Clarenville. And I plugged my address in that was on there and I'm looking around and I'm taking, it's taking me all over Clarenville. And before I know it, um, you know, the address that I had didn't, didn't really show up. And, <clears throat> there was a, a Mazda dealer that was supposed to be, and that was not the Chevy dealer I was looking for. And now I'm freaking out. Now I am having range anxiety because I can't find the charger. And now I've only got four kilometers left on my car. I'm, I see this local driving along in a, 
in a uh, a minivan, a burgundy colored minivan, and I'm flagging him down to to stop and roll down his window. And I said, I'm an electric car. There's a charger at the Chevy dealer, uh, Hickman Motors, and uh, it's not where it's supposed to be. He says, do you know where it is? He says, yes, of course. And uh, he says, I'll take you there. Just follow me. And then I said, how far away is he? And he says, four kilometers. <laughs> so, so it's with really. Sweaty, with sweaty palms. Oh, you, yeah. yeah. And so I follow him and um, I'm doing my very best to maximize, you know, the efficiency of the car using the regenerator, braking wherever I can. No air conditioning, no radio. No, nothing like that, right. you know. And anyway, and the last little bit, I'm, we're going up quite a steep hill. And at the top of the hill, sure enough, there is the Chevy dealer. And I could see the the charger, you know, even from a distance. And uh, I roll up to it. And on my range that it's showing, zero kilometers. So oh. that was, you know, that was fun. And yeah. anyway, after I finished it, you know. Yeah. But, you know, the truth is, is that I was expecting to have issues. You know, I I, I went to places where... Like in Newfoundland, for example, there were no level three chargers, period. Mm -hmm. Even the Audi dealers all across the country that I visited all had not just level three chargers, but level three chargers that were really powerful, like 100 amp, uh, 100 kilowatt chargers. And um, the one uh, charger that's planning to be put into Newfoundland is first going to be put in at um, the Audi dealership in St. John's, Bill Matheson, uh, Audi, and Volkswagen. And uh, they're going through a renovation. So that's why they had the charger, but it wasn't installed yet. Right. But every other Audi dealer across the country uh, that I visited and the ones that even that I didn't visit all were mandated and I believe all were successfully implementing the these level three chargers. Those of you who did read my initial story will know there's actually a, a I won't say a, a bigger aspect to this to this tale of uh, Harvey's cross-country trip, but really the motivation of, of doing it is there. Harvey's wife of 27 years, Marianne, passed away last year from cancer. Harvey and her had often talked about doing to a, a trip to the East Coast, specifically to Newfoundland. Um, she embraced Harvey's um, growing love and passion for EVs. So in many ways, this was, well, as, as Harvey will tell you, it was a tribute to Marianne. And... Um, how, I mean, on, on the completion of the trip or even in St. John's, I mean, obviously she was always in your thoughts. Always. It must have been a, a great sense of satisfaction to finish the trip. And, and as you said earlier to me before we were speaking. Yeah, it was on, emotional dipping those wheels in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To finish that part of it. Right, right. And as part of um, what you're doing, you're trying to obviously raise awareness for cancer and also fundraising for cancer, which was part of your trip. Well, it's, it's actually, um, Mar- even though Marianne passed away from cancer, um, she experienced a ruptured brain aneurysm 19 years ago, and her surgeon, Dr. Christopher Honey, at VGH and, and um, at the VGH hospital, which we only lived about five, 10 minutes away, um, she had emergency brain surgery um, that Dr. Honey performed, and as a result of him doing a masterful job, she didn't have any side effects or disabilities as a result of it. She was very fortunate, and a lot of people don't even make it to the hospital. So she was compelled to donate money to his research of ALS and Parkinson's and other brain disorders. And so the charity that um, uh, I wanted to support, you know, was uh, Marianne's favorite charity. Right. And when she passed, like every year, she donated a, a nice sum of money every year on the anniversary of her surgery. And then before she passed away, she was... Uh, 
in her in his office and gave him a legacy donation from her estate. So that's just made it more sense to for me to pr- keep uh, that going. So this charity is is through the VGH Fo- Hospital Foundation, and it specifically goes to his research. And and people could go to the website um, MaryAnn'sElectricDrive.com. Correct. For more information and to donate. Yes. And uh, there is some talk um, now that Harvey is back from his trip and slept in his own bed for a couple of nights. He's uh, scheming to put together a, a, a night where maybe he'll have a movie of his trip and things and also um, as, a, as a tribute and a fundraiser to Marianne. Yeah, I found that um, during this trip, because there were so many different focuses, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the trip itself, the photos, the videos that I enjoyed doing. Um, you know, the, the car aspect of the, uh, you know, the reviews of the car, the charging log, um, you know, there was that. And, uh, um, so the, the fundraising was part of it, but it wasn't the main focus. And I think to, to really, uh, enhance the success of, of the goal of raising the money for Dr. Honey's, um, research is to create a separate event for that. Well, thank you, Harvey. Um, It's great to see you back and great to see that you never had a tow truck. And I think your story will inspire others, not only that it's possible, but also it sounds like a lot of fun. It was a great fun. And thank you very much for having me. Thank you. I love how Harvey Socher considers himself a pioneer in the EV revolution. I'm sure he must have felt like that at times rolling through northern BC, with one eye on the e-tron's range and the other on the lookout for moose. The journalist in me loves his story not from the EV angle, but from the heartfelt tribute to his wife angle. It's hard not to get a little emotional listening to Harvey speak so lovingly about his wife, and one can just imagine his own emotions during and upon completion of Marianne's electric drive. On that subject, the fundraising evening he's holding in her honour takes place this evening, Wednesday, December 11th, at UBC Golf Course in Vancouver. I spoke with Harvey after our interview, and he was in Kelowna visiting some friends at Big White Ski Resort. The mountain had yet to open, but in anticipation of the snow, he had put snow tires on his e-tron. From his calculations, the bigger tread and higher resistance of those snowies knocked about 10% off his full-charge range. I guess the pioneering continues. That's it for this episode. Thanks to my guest, Harvey Socher, producer extraordinaire Darm McWana, and you for joining me on another electrifying journey down the EV highway. We always welcome your comments and criticisms via email at pluggedinpostmedia.com. For your daily dose of automotive news, views, and reviews, be sure to check out driving.ca. And subscribe to Plugged In wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.